Welcome everyone, I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana, and we're here for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. My guest today is John Tuggle. Hi. John, good to have you here. We've never met before, so I'm really uh, interested in speaking with you and excited to have you here. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not quite sure why you find me interesting, but maybe we'll delve into something that, that is interesting. <laughs> All right, well, let's hop on in. Um, as I warned you off camera, my first question is super long. So here we go. Um, John, since 2015, you've been the executive director of Shreve Memorial Library, a 21-branch public library system serving the city of Shreveport and the surrounding Caddo Parish. I'd like to begin with the longest question I've ever asked a guest. This is an excerpt from an article in the Shreveport Times from February 9th, 1920. Oh my. So the excerpt is, is as follows. Speaking of the supreme needs of Shreveport at the First Baptist Church Sunday night, Dr. Dodd said, there are three outstanding needs for Shreveport at the present time. First of all, we need the public library. It is a necessity just as much as banks and business houses. Second, we need new school buildings with auditorium facilities in which school spirit can be created and where public lecturers and moving picture machines can supplement the routine of mere book learning. And third, we need a great YMCA building. The Shreveport spirit is nobly progressive and aggressive along every line, but it must be admitted that we are backward on these three things mentioned. Many other towns of much less importance and with much less wealth than Shreveport enjoys, uh, the grammar's wrong there, but enjoys the privileges of libraries and YMCA buildings. So all of that to ask you and to say, why is Shreve Memorial Library so important to our community? Or in other words, what would our community be without Shreve Memorial Library? Um, there's like three or four ways I could go with this. Let's go with this, the simple one uh, and, and, a, and a wonderful uh, story. For those of you who uh, haven't seen this, you can go on uh, YouTube, look up StoryCorps. It's uh, Ron McNair. Do you know who Ron McNair is? Ron McNair was uh, a young black boy from the Carolinas back in the 1950s who went to his local public library, which uh, at the time was whites only. And for those of you who don't know, Ron was black, but Ron was nine, 10 years old and really didn't care. And, and before he went on to become an astronaut, to fly in the space shuttle Challenger, he challenged uh, the rules for education. Uh, that's why you need libraries, schools, and YMCAs. I do believe the early mission with the, the YMCAs was partially education, was it not? Yeah, I, I seem to remember that. Libraries are all about education. Um, for those of you who don't know any history about it, um, public libraries, while we could argue about where they actually started. In America, the, the ideas came from Benjamin Franklin and uh, Thomas Jefferson. Now, the funny thing about that, for those of you who don't like irony, <laughs> just don't pay attention right now. 
Uh, irony's great because Thomas Jefferson is the little D Democrat, right? All right, so he doesn't really believe in big government, but he donates his entire collection to become the Library of Congress, which is the largest free government-sponsored public library in the world. Little irony there. Benjamin Franklin. Mr. Uh, loves the government, loves the Fed, Federalists from back in the days, thinks all of this great stuff, wants a strong government. He donates his personal collection to the Philadelphia, and I, I'm not sure, it, the Free Library, the Philadelphia Free Library was a response to Franklin's pay library. He set up a membership library with his, so Mr. Want Big Government sets up a pay-for library. The irony there is delicious. Anyway, uh, what has happened is from that tradition, they wanted to make sure the electorate was that they could understand the issues of the day. How many people today really understand taxation, the way it works, the way the federal government works, or any of the other wonderful things that go on? Well, you can find that stuff out easily. It's really not that difficult, and Google's just gonna give you an advertisement, so head to your public library. That's where we help you become an informed citizen. That's part of that, and that's just one tier of education. We have early literacy education. Um, I talked to, lots of leaders and stakeholders in our community and in fact we're, we're in the middle of uh, another five-year strategic planning process i've been out talking to uh, civic organizations across the parish and inevitably the number one service they want to see out of the library is early literacy uh, we call it create and maintain young readers so uh, the education part of that is, it, it, so you can see it from both ends. You, if you're not learning at an early age how to read and comprehend information, then on the other end, you can't be an informed citizen, which was what Jefferson and Franklin really wanted, was an informed electorate. And nowadays, things are a little complex, uh, more so than in 1789. So, you know, uh, you really need your public library. And even more so, uh, the e-branch, because Sam will tell you, hi folks, people don't know who Sam is, she's sitting over here making sure I don't mess up. Uh, Sam will, will tell you that you know our e-branch and the outreach from it, folks are, are accessing the library 24-7, 365, anytime they want to. I reach in here and I know you're a big Taylor Swift fan and I can download Taylor Swift's latest album for you right now and in less than 30 seconds we'd be playing it. And you can do that now from a public library. Wow. You know? So, I mean, it, education, and then again, education comes in, in many different colors. You've got our friend Keith, who we've been t talking about, Keith Hansen. Um, he's, you know, he's learned a lot hands-on about the world, he, the electronic world and digital world. And he's done all that thanks to books at the public library. You know, some people, education is just a different way of, of learning for and the various avenues are, are available in the public library is everybody's university. I'm sure if you decided you wanted to move on from podcasting to being, I don't know, uh, uh, let's make you a filmmaker. You look like a documentary guy to me, so you're, you're doing documentaries on the history of rock and roll in Shreveport, and you know nothing about how to operate or edit uh, film. We've got 
ways to teach you that right now. In fact, we can hook you up while we're doing this and show you how to do that online. It's just that easy. So uh, now here's where we have to go and talk about the taxpayer benefit of all this because education is really what? Workforce development. Workforce development creates taxpayers. Taxpayers buy houses, pay property taxes, and you get libraries. So there's that cyclical thing where actually we're uh, continuing to create our own, uh, I don't know what's the proper word there, but we, we continue to make ourselves uh, relevant through that process. You pay more taxes, we get bigger and larger. We help you get better. You pay more taxes and it just, you know, keeps going. So that's kind of uh, a long, wordy answer to your question. Did I miss anything? That's no. Perfect. Education, money, that's what it all comes down to. Isn't it really money? We're in America. It's capitalism. So workforce development and education. I love that's it. why you need all three of those institutions. I love it. Yeah, you guys are part of the financial ecosystem. Um, and you'd be amazed because we've got lots of friends and folks we work with um, right up the road here. Is, um, uh, the Launch Network is part of the Biomedical Research Foundation and um, EAP, the Entrepreneurial uh, Accelerator Program, all of that. They're hooked in with us. So if you decide all of a sudden you've got a great idea and you've got a business plan and you go talk to them, one of the first things they're going to do is refer you to us, where you'll sit down with one of our three specialists and we'll walk you through anything you need to know. you got a question, they can't answer it, we can. And we will, you know, do this all. It, technically, uh, 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 we were joking about this the other day. Someone said, I can't believe all this stuff is free. And I said, well, time out. It's not really free. Your tax dollars are paid for it, but we're not going to charge you again for it. So just come on and use it. So, But, uh, yeah, yeah, lots of fun that way. Love it. All right, so I'm going to move on. My next question is, I read some about this, but I'm un unsure of the current status and hope you can tell us a little bit more. Uh, talk to me, if you could, about the possible partnership between Southern University Law Center and the downtown Shreve Memorial Library. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a done deal. Um, Long story short, we moved out of the, 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 the administration moved out of the downtown building seven years ago. Um, and where are y'all now? Uh, we're at 885 Burke Coons. Okay. Um, that used to be the old Food Lion, Lion Food, Lion, something, Lion King, something like that. It was one of those grocery stores. Uh, it, it makes a great administration center. But that left us with a, a, a fourth floor and some basement space and a little bit of space on the first floor that no longer uh, housing administration. Uh, my predecessor wanted to put a maker space on that fourth floor. The problem with that is that A, it's a century old building that doesn't have the best exhaust and, and, and anybody knows anything about maker spaces know even the cleanest makerspace is not that clean, toxic chemicals, all that wonderful stuff, and a, and a century-old building trying to get ventilation fixed up for that one. It just wasn't great, plus the lack of parking. And, and, and so we just didn't want to do that. So I had that fourth floor. We had some discussions, this, that, and the other. And finally, uh, Southern University Law Center said, yeah, we want to move to Shreveport. We hear you got some space. I said, not only do I have some space, but I have a, a 
law library collection that if you guys expanded, we could have a real law library in Shreveport. And so that, that was part of the, the deal. They take over the fourth floor, which was practically abandoned, made for administration, uh, administrative space. It really not classrooms, not made for public, so it's set up perfectly for a school. And then they're going to come in and take over the third floor for us and run a real law library. They're taking our collection and adding to it and then putting uh, people who actually specialize in legal research. And I had librarians in that collection, but that wasn't their specialty. They knew how to use some of it. But it's a world of difference between knowing a little bit about law and law libraries and being a specialist that's gone through it and got your JD degree and whatever. Uh, so that's the biggest benefit for a, a, a me running out the fourth floor and having them come over and take over the law library. Uh, not only is, is Shreveport and, well, Arklatuck getting a nice law school, but the city and the parish get a, a real I do emphasize real law library that is open to the public and with real help. So that's a great benefit. Uh, we're still working on, on the downtown library. We've got, uh, we've got architects doing this, that, and the other, but they're already, they've had one cohort go through. And so uh, they've got a phased in plan. It'll take about five years until they're actually you know, doing the, using the whole building. But year one's done and we're working on getting the building back open. I know Liz Wayne. Hey, Liz. Uh, we'll, we'll get that done. Uh, she was here last week. She was. You? There you go. I, yep. I'm trying to stay on topic. It's hard. Caffeine's kicking in. Uh, so, I don't know what else to say except Dr. Alfred is, is wonderful and Chancellor Pierre, they've been wonderful to work with and, uh, and they understand it's a 100-year-old building. And for those of you who don't have to do maintenance on a 100-year-old old building consider yourself blessed it, it's a beautiful building it is but it's expensive too <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where we are right now they're they're uh, summertime I, I i think the first cohorts were just they, they they were either studying or took the bar here just recently but that we've been working with them to make sure they have spaces to uh study in town for the bar so Perfect. That's where we are. All right. Well, this next one, you kind of started to uh, talk a little bit about it. Uh, I read that in the last year or so, the Shreve Memorial Library has taken on yet another role for the community, that of the entrepreneurial support engine. Tell me about this new initiative and some of the services and resources the library now provides to small business owners and entrepreneurs. These services have been here forever. All we've done is really found a new partner to work with and help help us market these tools. Um, for anybody that's interested and wants to follow online, go to the website, go to the databases and start looking. Everything from LinkedIn Learning, which is a, a wonderful tool. Um, let's give kudos to Microsoft for doing something right with, the, with, with LinkedIn. They actually have, have turned it into a really useful platform for learning a variety of different things. So we've got that, we got LinkedIn Learning. Um, somebody made a joke the other day about needing to know uh, four languages. And I said, well, that's not a problem. We've got pronunciator, pronunciator. How do you say that, Sam? Pronunciator. There you go, that one. Uh, 
me, I quit Spanish after I left Texas. So donde esta las cervezas frias, the end of my Spanish. Um, but if you, if you need, he was, he was joking about he wanted French and German and Spanish. I said, not a problem, we'll do that for you. Um, we've got, now you can put me on the spot and make me try and tell you all these wonderful database resources we have. And it's been a, it's been a day or two since I've looked at them. But um, the best thing I've got going for you in reality, though, the best resources I have are named Jackie, Matthew, and Jennifer. Uh, because they are dedicated librarians for this and while my memory is failing at the moment their memory never fails so that's Jackie Lott and Matthew Temple and Jennifer Fleming hi guys nice shout out uh, you can find them either at the downtown branch the uh, Broadmoor branch or the uh, Hamilton South Caddo branch ask for them by person that's Matthew or Jennifer or Jackie and all the things I am forgetting right now, they can fill you in. But basically, they can, I mean, over a dozen different databases, I can't remember. Um, and then we can hook you up. They also know resources outside of what the library. Um, you need GIS information. They know how to get in touch with Keith through the right channel so you can access some of that stuff. You want to... Uh, work with, I don't know, Susla, uh, Mr. Dixon's no longer with the, the, uh, the small business up, uh, up there, but the, they still have that available. Uh, there are all kinds of different resources. We're, we're amazed, and this is just to branch off a little bit, uh, our friends at the Community Foundation, which I know you're aware of, and their Step Forward initiative that they've been, has been in one form or another for the last decade from what I know. That's the thing that they do uh, best is they put us together so that we're not um, repeating the same resources over and over again that we're working in conjunction with one another and trying not to you know all have the same product. We've worked with uh, Step Forward on this initiative. We've worked with Step Forward on um, all They've got lots of community things. But again, the number one thing we work with the Community Foundation on is, is, is early literacy. So let's get back to your EAP stuff. So I'll get sidetracked back to early literacy if I'm not careful. But all of those resources, um, magazines, books, the online databases. Oh, let's say you need to learn how to do calculus in your brand new business. Um, did you take calculus in high school? No. You didn't take calculus in high school. Well, let's, now let's get embarrassing. Did you get Algebra 2? Yes. Okay, so you made Algebra 2, but now you've decided you need calculus, right? So you're not going to go back to high school because you've got a job, this, that, and the other, and only in your spare time you're trying to learn calculus so you can kick off this new business. Well, you can go to the library, you can get you a basic calculus textbook, and every afternoon, after two or three, three o'clock, two o'clock, two o'clock, until midnight, you can have an online tutor help you learn calculus. Wow. And I'm not talking me sitting behind a screen who doesn't know a thing about calculus, trying to, we're talking about people with actual math degrees. Or maybe you want to rewrite your business plan. I've got online tutors who will help you rewrite your business plan. The poor guy that made, the grammatical error in, in the insert. They could have helped him. 
But that's called Homework Louisiana, which is our version of the platform of Tutor.com, which is a uh, tutoring platform that's been out there for it's going on almost four decades now. I've, I've worked with it in one form or another uh, my entire professional career, and it's wonderful. And it's I'm telling you, it's our most underutilized resource in the state. So that's Tutor.com, otherwise known as Homework, Louisiana Homework, Homework, Louisiana. Homework, Louisiana, you can find it on our webpage. It's easy to find. So, Jackie, Matthew, Jennifer, there you go. That's the real answer to your question. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, so you grew up, uh, you grew up in the small town of Hot Coffee, Mississippi. After living in San Bernardino, California, for the first decade. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I didn't come. I no, didn't know that's that. Okay, that's a well kept secret. Most people don't. I, I say California, and they look at me strange. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> and you came to Shreveport from Savannah after working with their library system for nearly nine years. Correct. You are extremely involved in our community. Uh, to name but a few things that I know, you serve on the board of the Gingerbread House Correct. and United Way. Correct. The advisory committee for the NWLA Lost STEM Innovation Center. Correct. You're an active Rotarian. Correct. And you try to live by Rotary's credo, service above self. Correct. So I recently asked one of my previous guests, actually Liz, uh -oh. this same question. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in a meeting at the Shreveport Bossier Convention and Tourist Bureau, and one of the people there made the statement that we need to work on moving our community from a me community to a we community. As someone who clearly sees this as a we community, how do we get more people to live by service above self? Oh my. I guess the easy answer to all this is to live by example. Uh, every time, whether it be the Rotary Group or, or whether it's part of the United Way, which I'm also, I'm on their board and uh, Anytime we do something that benefits someone else, whether it be one individual, and I'm, I'm all about customer service at the library. We, we, we make a better world one customer at a time. And I really think that if we're going to become a we community, we're going to have to do that at a relationship level, one person at a time. Um, We have seen actors, uh, cultural, significant cultural icons call for, you know, let's all set aside our differences and, and be wonderful people and help one another. And I mean, we've heard this message going on uh, several thousand years. Uh, and the only way I have seen that successfully helps any community is one individual at a time, whether it's, it's you. You going next door and helping your neighbor do whatever, whether it's a group of Rotarians get together and find need for a global grant to help 
marginalized communities in our area get free internet access or whether we're working with the United Way to address at, at the community level uh, what they call ALICE, which are, let's see if I can remember that, it's assets, limited income, constricted, employed, is basically what they call the working poor now. Um, I really tell you the answer to your question has been tried, and I don't know how many people have, have uh, actually attempted it, and I don't know if we do it here in Shreveport. I did it in Savannah, but it's called, um, let's see if I can remember what they actually call it. Well, I can't remember the name, but basically what they ask you to do is live in poverty conditions. They give you like $139 for a week and say survive. And you have to do that for a month. It's poverty, something I can't remember. But as a poor old college student in the 80s, I would have loved $139 a week. So I you know, went through grad school being homeless at times and, 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 and so I think really that, that experience of realizing what the other 30, 40%, 50% of the population's going through, you know, when you don't drive through those, no, uh, our, our marginalized neighborhoods and, and see the conditions some folks are living in and you don't understand that because it's really easy for folks to uh, hide behind uh, the academic walls, your, 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 your nice uh, looking house and, 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 and you go to your nice church and, and, and you go to the nice Kroger on Ellerby but you don't see what the other half is, how they're living, how they're suffering. And I am just enough of a romantic idealist that I really do believe in that we should as individuals make an effort to make everybody's life better it's just not that hard uh, but it has to be done at the relationship level I we, we've seen it uh, the governmental level uh, it happens on occasion it may last a while maybe not uh, we can societal changes come along every now and then but they're really slow the way we get all of these changes is individual relationships, talking, knowing one another, uh, trying to overcome our differences. And that comes down to talking just like we're doing now. I mean, we're just having a conversation, getting to know one another. And the more we know about each other, the more, the more we realize how alike we are and that our differences are minuscule, nothing. And so I live my life that way as an example hoping others follow. I know there are uh, you know, other like-minded individuals. I meet them every day. I think you doing a podcast about how great this city is, is, is another fine step that way. Uh, we have lots of individuals, when you meet them, that take that extra effort to just say, I'm going to do something besides, you know, pay the mortgage this month. I'm gonna do something besides making sure that I got a brand new pair of shoes this month. Uh, and sometimes it's just as easy as acknowledging someone's humanity. That's one of the things we talked about in, in customer service training. If I'll do nothing more as I'm walking down the street, but look you in the eye and acknowledge your humanity. So say, good morning. Nothing else. I've made your world better that day. I just acknowledge that, that one random act of kindness 
helps make the world better. And that's that's all I preach. Uh, we're all preachers one way or the other. We all out here. And I don't know. I just try and do the best I can. To me, it seems like a default we should be a we. It should there shouldn't need to be any of this work, but I'm realistic. I know it's there, it needs to be done. So we keep working, right? Every morning, get up, make the world a better place. I don't know. That's all you're getting out of me on that one. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> all right. As I mentioned before, you grew up in Hot Coffee, Mississippi, and have lived in a number of other cities. I didn't know San Bernardino, but to name but a few, I know you've spent time in Hattiesburg, mm-hmm. Houston, mm-hmm. and Savannah. Mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated by the way that people who do not grow up here view our community. Mm. So where do you feel we struggle the most compared to other places where you've lived? Jobs. Uh, And I don't know why. I mean, I haven't done a a deep dive into losing uh, AT&T. I'm sure there was there's some story in, in, in GM and and we've 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 seen the economy uh, change over the last two decades. Uh, you talk to our friends Liz Swain or uh, Drew Moten with the economic development or any of those folks in, in the know trying to improve the economy around here. It all comes down to jobs. That's, that's why people leave. That's why some of us come here. Uh, you know, so it really it, it is that. Um, Sam and I will tell you, and I believe Liz will agree with this, is that somehow or another, Shreveport got a little negative PR during the 80s or 90s or early 2000s. Somehow or another, there was was negative connotation with this city for a while. Um, In fact, before I came here, the very first thing I did was start, you know, Googling and YouTubing, which if you're not YouTubing, in addition to Googling, you're missing out. But you YouTube Shreveport, and some of the first things that came up weren't the most, you know, flattering. Uh, but I have seen great efforts just in the last seven or eight years since I've been here to improve that seems to be what we're, we're working on. You give give Liz credit for making downtown a, 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 a vital place, uh, a, a, a living place again. And by that I mean you, you feel the energy, you know it's alive when you're down there. You used, to, you used to go down there at nine o'clock at night and it was just, you know, dead. Not so much anymore got that part. Other parts of town we're starting to see come back to life. Uh, But again, it's relationships, economic development, education, all of that working together to improve the perception of this place. Um, We've got lots of great things going for us here, but the perception. And so that's a marketing problem. And that is something we've seen economic development, all of the various, or, or Chamber of Commerce, all of those types of organizations have realized that. And the thing I've seen that 
the biggest change of all has been the perception of what, what Shreveport is, what, what it can be. I don't know who we could blame or give credit to for all of that, but it just seems to have, in my time here, uh, it seems that things have gotten better, or that is at least the perception, and perception is usually what most people believe, whether it's the truth or not. So working on that and seeing the jobs and seeing the economic uh, opportunities that are coming here. I mean, when I was here, this grand building was not built. Now we have this one and the other one on the other side of town is being built. We're seeing progress. Our headquarters on, on in Southern Hills on the south side of town. We're watching that place just boom. And you know what Miss uh, uh, Swain is done with downtown. It's just going crazy. So we're seeing a renaissance here in Shreveport. Again, I think most of that is attributed to uh, public relations and uh, some hustling by a few good people out there that, uh, that have brought just jobs and, and I mean, you, I don't know, man. It's, it's PR, it's public relations. That's the only way I can try and say it a dozen different ways. I'm gonna stop, just leave it there. Public relations, our perception of the city has changed tremendously uh, and I hope it keeps going up. Me too. All right, John, well, I'm down to my last question Thank with you. Thank goodness, I'm exhausted. <laughs> so, on the flip side of that last question, what do we do as well or better than the other cities where you've lived? Partnerships. Everybody here wants to get together and help. Um, not so much in Houston. And Savannah was, Savannah was Shreveport about 10 years earlier. So, um, it was trying to redefine itself. It was trying to overcome perception issues. It had, Lots of great industry, lots of jobs, but the perception issue. And they started working on that. They uh, have the Savannah College of Art and Design, which has done tremendous work to help change the perception of Savannah. Now Savannah is a, a foodie town, an arts town, this, that, and the other. No, it's one of the largest ports on the eastern seaboard. They don't talk about that anymore now, do they? Uh-uh. They don't talk about all the nasty fluff mud and all that nasty smell. No, they don't talk about that anymore. They talk about, ooh, arts, ooh, food. And that's how it's changed its perception. I think a lot of the same thing that, you know, we were talking about here. It's not that the jobs aren't here. I mean, there's somebody yeah, We lost GMC, but we've gained other things. So it's that perception. Um, but the partnerships here are wonderful. Uh, we walk in the door and, and Sideport reopening. Diane. Sorry, Diane. I can't remember your last name right now. Clark. There it goes. Uh, Diane Clark says, John, what can we do? I said, well, we can do what we used to do and we can do even more. So there's a great partnership there. Uh, we got our friend Pan uh, Atchison and Shrek. I mean, oh my, they couldn't wait to get us in the door. We're talking everything from art break and we've been talking for seven years uh, about uh, 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 maker spaces and we're still talking maker spaces to this day. Uh, Pam's got her heart set on what is called a dirty large maker space 
something we couldn't put on the fourth floor downtown for in that branch library for sure. So she's working on that, and we're, we're partnering with her. Uh, our, I mentioned before the uh, Biomedical Research Foundation, the EAP, uh, and oh my, partnering with SUSLA, you, the Law Center. I, it just goes on and on and on. You name an organization in this community. And if we haven't partnered with them, we're looking for that door to open so that we can. Uh, we keep in touch with, with friends like our, our, our friends at Willis Knight and uh, Chaplain Brad Perry. But he's always in my ear about what, what Willis Knighton and, and, and the library could do. Uh, LSUS is our, our partner for our book festival that we do every May, the, the Shreve Memorial Library Children's Book Festival. And they love it. We, uh, we come in there, we brought R.L. Stein and, and four or five other nice nationally known authors in May to celebrate Children's Book Week. And, uh, you know, it, it was a great big party and we had a good time. But all of our different Partnerships make us stronger, makes the city stronger, and that willingness to partner is something I've never seen any place else. Uh, you usually go and you got the school system in their little silo, and you got economic development in their little silo, and then you got the library in this little silo, and, and, and no one talks between the silos. It is forbidden. You get here and it's not. I mean, people actually come to you and say, hey, what can we do? Uh, part of that maybe was the community foundation a step forward pulling us dragging and screaming and kicking all into the same room but once we were in the same room you know you start to see us and we got um carla i can't remember carla's last name. yeah i mean she's still doing that dragging and kicking every time we turn around come on guys and and, and those partnerships are, are just gold you can't ask for better um because without it, you have to go alone, and nothing ever gets done easily alone. Um, I know. We, how much did Keith tell you about our little uh, Wi-Fi project last? A lot, time? but okay. you can you can talk about it. Well, I mean, he, we've got ARP money, and and he and I are both dedicated to bridging what we call the digital divide. And here in Shreveport, 30, um, yeah, we can check with our friends at the Community Foundation to get a solid number, but it's about 30% of the population doesn't have access to the internet. And now, uh, don't get me wrong, I love that the federal government has decided to hand out stipends and, and, and a little money to do this, that, and the other, but what happens even if you don't have the $40 that's left. I mean, some of these folks are still working for $7.50 an hour out here. I don't know about you, but I couldn't live on $7.50 an hour 30 years ago. I don't know how somebody living on $7.50 an hour now. Uh, how can you survive in this world without internet access nowadays? You can't apply for a job at a fast food restaurant without internet access, digital literacy skills. Keith and I, like soul brothers on that, uh, we really do believe if you're going to move forward in this country and the way the jobs are moving forward, the way things are changing, um, I saw an interesting article this morning. They have taught a robot how to do nails, and it can do nails faster and better. So all of those nail salons are going to be replaced now with little machines. You just walk in and do your fingers like that. I mean, Robotics is coming. There's no way around that. Like it or not, 
think about it. Ten years ago, how many times did you self-check out when you went to a retail establishment? All the time now. It's not supposed to be a scary thing. Change is good. What we should do is figure out what, instead of sitting here and, and uh, one of my favorite uh, science fiction writers in, in describing basic human nature, uh, used the phrase, let me get it right. Um, something that goes like, when in danger or run in circles, scream job. It'll come to me in a minute and I'll come back to it. But basically it's human nature instead of sitting here and looking at the problem, trying to remain calm, we get all excited and get upset and we don't do that. So anyway, we, as a community, it would be better if would all calm down a little bit and take a look at things. Again, relationships, getting to talk, just know one another. And I've lost track of the damn question, so what was it again? <laughs> no, you, it, 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 was, it was what do we do as well or better than oh, other places where you Oh, partnerships, yeah, okay. And, and that's, again, relationships. That's all it comes down to. Uh, Keith called me up one day and said, do you know about E-Rate? Yeah, Keith. We know about E-Ray. You know about white space Wi-Fi? What? Yeah. But what does that got to do with cellular? And next thing you know, we start talking. Here we are. We gonna take a little bit of this. Uh, I do believe it's ARP funds needed to help. Uh, we're addressing the number one thing and the number one complaint the library received during the close down, during the pandemic. My kids are sitting outside the library having to use the internet. Can you not let us in? Yeah. But you drive by the public libraries, there'd be five, six cars out there. Pulled up as close as they could get to the building on the grass. Uh, using that Wi-Fi. So we can fix that. Keith has got a great idea. Nothing new nothing crazy and we're working on it right now by the end of this year we should be able to address our I know Keith told you about putting the the, the raspberry pies with the GPS sniffers in the in the, in the uh, only Shreveport would we use trash trucks that way but we got a great idea of exactly where the digital divide is in Shreveport we, we can do it by city block so we can now address those issues where more than just 30%, where that 30% is living and doesn't have access, we will be able to give them a Wi-Fi modem and they can hook up to the library. And of course, it's fast internet speed. It may not be the 5G, you know, but it's more than adequate to use tutors, use LinkedIn Learning, use Overdrive, use Hoopla, Pronunciator, I got that right this time, yay, all those other wonderful services that you need to move up into where it's all about self-improvement and economic development. That's the game we play here in America, self-improvement, economic development. So if we're going to play it, libraries help even the playing field, and I need more coffee. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, John, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you. Uh, You're warming me up, Jeffrey. It's not even 10 o'clock yet. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you off the hook. Um, it's great to finally meet you. I, I, I'm very appreciative of what you're doing in the community and just keep it up. We're trying, buddy. And, and, and to all those potential partners out there, we're waiting on you. Come see us at the library. Thanks, John. Thank you. And fade. No?